You are listening to The Pursuit of Yoginess with your host, Rudy J. Welcome to The Pursuit of Yoginess, Habits and Hacks, Guiding Your Post-YTT Success. I'm your host, Rudy J, here to help navigate your pursuits as new yoga instructors. Welcome back to another episode. Today, we are joined by Sean Mosen. He's the father of Canadian kettlebell training, was the first instructor to release instructional DVDs, a workbook, and to offer instructor certification seminars in this country. Recognized worldwide as an authority on kettlebells, martial arts, and functional fitness, he is known as the president of the Canadian Kettlebell Sport Federation and Agatsu, traveling the world giving seminars to fitness professionals and the general public. Sean began martial arts at the age of seven and has spent his lifetime infusing his approach to fitness with balance, mobility, flexibility, strength, and endurance as a result. To improve as an instructor, he has participated in numerous coaching development programs. He has been recognized as a coach under the National Coaching Certification Program. He's a black belt in karate, a certified Ashtanga yoga teacher, a supples fit Bulgarian bag coach, a purple belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and he has trained with some of the top martial artists and fitness trainers in the world. Sean has authored four best-selling kettlebell instructional DVDs and wrote the first Canadian workbook on kettlebells. He shares this approach through instructional products and seminars around the world. So I was so lucky to sit down and chat with Sean about all things movement. We dive into his journey, his story, where he is today and how this all came to be. Um, We really break down the importance and necessity of training with knowledgeable teachers in a really intimate setting. Um, He explains the value of placing intention behind all of our movements, not only as teachers, but also as practitioners. So understanding and really breaking down why we want to achieve the certain movements and trainings that um, that we want to do and participate in. So we had such an incredible conversation. We talk about all of the different offerings, all of the um, trainings and teachers and social media and everything that is on the internet and how we can actually start to find, you know, the best content to serve us in our own offerings and who who best to learn from. And yeah, we talk about so many good things. I will preface this conversation by saying Sean knows his stuff and he feels very passionately about his offerings and he spent decades um, getting to where he is today so he does have some intense opinions and we just take it with a grain of salt and we laugh we have a really good conversation he's honest and uh, yeah I hope you guys really enjoy this conversation as much as I did we are breaking more into the movement scene if you guys have noticed a little bit of a trend in the last few episodes so just breaking down the fundamentals of movement and how to sort of incorporate these and become more educated as yoga teachers I think is amazing Um, it's amazing tool um, for us to become a little more versatile in what we're offering and a little more informed as well so that is the basis of this conversation I hope you guys enjoy it if you want to pledge your support on patreon for as little as one dollar you can do that the link will be below this episode and stay tuned until the very end I will reveal Sean's special offering for you as POI listeners as well as the Kardash product of the week let's get Sean on the episode Sean welcome to the pursuit of yoginess how are you Thank you very much for having me. I'm doing great. All right. So let's jump in and give the listeners a little bit of insight as to what you Mm -hmm. do and maybe where it all began. Uh, Well, the easiest uh, way to explain it first is for most people or many people um, know about me around the world for kettlebells and in particular here in Canada because I introduced kettlebells here. Mm -hmm. And when people ask me, what does that mean? I mean, they weren't here. And then I introduced them, and then they were. <laughs> so, uh, simply put, I was the first one selling them, first one with instructional DVDs, the first one with a um, you know a workbook and courses, uh, teacher trainings, um, seminars from coast to coast, uh, all that stuff. 
So I introduced kettlebells, and at the same time that I was introducing kettlebells, I introduced some other things that at the time were um, hard for people to wrap their mind around, which have subsequently, um, you know, as fitness and kind of the world of moving around has changed, now people uh, are a little bit more understanding and open and see the value in them. So things like joint mobility practice and these kind of things were always part of what I was trying to share even way back then in the beginning. And uh, now, uh, as things have changed, they've become more popular. Um, so the easiest way to understand what it is I do is to kind of take, if you take a look at our, at my site, you'll see a lot of stuff about kettlebells, but you'll see other forms of movement and uh, other forms of training from body weight to joint mobility, you know, flexibility, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And what got you personally into this whole movement thing in your own life? I uh, started studying martial arts when I was really little. So I was about seven years old and I started studying judo. And uh, from judo, I went to a whole bunch of different martial arts and um, became a teacher in a lot of different martial arts. So uh, at a very young age, I got interested in, in moving around and trying to move efficiently and trying to be as technical as possible because uh, I'm not a big guy. I'm not uh, was never the biggest or the strongest or the fastest. So I saw a lot of value in trying to learn something well to be very efficient and be very technical because I saw there was no limit to that. Mm. I might be limited in the fact that I'm not going to be six foot four and uh, 275 pounds of muscle, um, but I could be very technical at something and accomplish the same thing that I saw someone maybe big and strong and, you know, what I perceived to be more athletic was able to do. So that kind of set me on a path of, of looking for teachers that uh, had that technical efficiency and could communicate it. Mm. And so it kind of went from the martial arts to other things. I was always trying to look and say, well, well, what would make me a better martial artist? Well, if I had, you know, better control of my body. So then I started looking at bodyweight exercises and then, well, what would make these bodyweight exercises uh, easier for me to perform? How could I be more efficient? Oh, well, I'm not so efficient because I can't get into some of these positions because of the lack of mobility or flexibility. So what's a good way to develop that practice? And things kind of spiral from there, looking around for different ways to improve control over the body and ability to move, and then how you can apply it in other fields, right? Mm -hmm. That's super cool. So a lot of it, it was like self-taught, self-driven, Self-studied. It was definitely, yeah, it was definitely self-driven and self-researched. But I always made a point to look for good teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, since I, since I'm very young, I'd say when I was 12, I had in particular one very good teacher. And uh, having a teacher like that, I think once you have that in anything, it really can be any kind of discipline. Mm-hmm. Once you have that, you realize the difference between having a good teacher and uh, not having one. Mm-hmm. And you see the value in it in that you will save a tremendous amount of time. Mm-hmm. And time is limited for everyone. You have limited time to practice, limited amount of time to achieve what it is you're trying to achieve. Um, so you don't want to waste it. Mm-hmm. And uh, having a good teacher, I always knew no matter what I was trying to learn, um, having a good teacher, a good reference, a good you know guide was the best way that I was going to improve my skill and really get where I wanted to go. So I always look for that no matter what. And I was always very driven to do my homework and and to practice, but it's very important that you find someone that's been where you're trying to go, Mm -hmm. and and then they can tell you something about that. Amazing. Um, I'm curious to know, so you've, you mentioned you introduced kettlebells. Mm -hmm. Um, Is that where the Agatsu brand kind of comes from or what, give the listeners a little bit of insight as to that and how it maybe separates from different types of trainings and movements? Because I feel like it's very well known as well, obviously. Yeah. I mean, over the years, uh, fortunately, um, you know, my students and, and also what, you know, what I could do and what my students could do became really well known around the world. And that's why I get to give seminars all over the place. Um, which is fantastic. Originally, I was teaching martial arts and I wanted a, a name um, that kind of reflected what I was trying to accomplish because I wasn't so much interested in a style or particular way of doing things. Um, but I really wanted to help people develop a self-practice. And that went from martial art, the martial arts aspect to a lot of the physicality pr- uh, practice, the, a lot of helping people develop a physical practice that was, you know, kind of for the individuals, for them. 
And uh, so agatsu, it comes from a Japanese, it's a Japanese word, and it, it has two meanings. It can mean beginner's mind, which to me is uh, still like a cornerstone of everything that I do. Uh, no matter how much you may think you know, you have to realize that you're always a beginner. And someone can always show you something. You can always see something, uh, even if it's a movement or an idea, a concept that you've spent years with. Um, there's always a new way to look at it. So you always want to keep a beginner's mind. That's the best thing, you know, you say sometimes a teacher, but always a student. Um, so you try to keep that. The other uh, meaning for the name Agatsu comes from a longer sentence that the founder of Aikido said, said Masakatsu Agatsu, which um, translates to true mastery is self-mastery. And that can, you know, have a meaning in a martial arts kind of sense that, you know, first, if you want, if you want to control an opponent, you should be able to control yourself first. And that can be in a lot of different ways. It could be physical or it could just be, you know, your emotions. Uh, that's one thing. But it also talks to a physical practice where, you know, true mastery really is mastery over the self. It's not about external things. It's about your practice. And again, it's kind of that idea of bringing the practice back to the individual because not a, a lot of people have different things that they like to do and then um, they get into these kind of dogmatic systems that don't really work for their body type or their schedule or their this or their that and uh, there might be a lot of value to the certain practice but because it's general and it's for everyone it doesn't quite fit them right so it's an important idea for someone to develop a practice that's going to work for them that's mm -hmm. going to have longevity and serve them for their life so the so the name uh, Gatsu is always kind of coming back to that. It comes back to the individual and it comes back to the their practice that hopefully they'll develop as a lifetime practice. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I'm curious to know how the Agatsu trainings and and like from kettlebells and functional movement, mm -hmm. how these might complement um, someone like myself who is mm -hmm. a yoga teacher. Um, yeah. And a lot of the listeners as well. Well, one thing that if somebody goes, let's say, to the Agatsu Instagram, for example, and they go to, you know, at Agatsu Fitness, and they're scrolling through, they're going to see, um, you know, myself, the other senior instructors, and, and, you know, my students around the world, doing a wide variety of things. Mm. And the wide variety is because for, for me, and, and the idea with Agatsu is to create a generalist. And a generalist is really someone who's physically well-rounded. And in that you create someone that has great flexibility, mobility, endurance, strength. They're balanced out. And being balanced that way is going to help you to have a body that not only can perform nice tricks on Instagram, which is, of course, very everyone's very interested in doing nowadays, um, but it's going to help reduce injuries. It's going to give you a practice that um, you know creates a body that um, can do a lot and doesn't suffer a lot of the pains and aches and pains and also injuries that specialists do because specialists push in one direction so far that they pay a mm -hmm. price for that specialization. Um, so when you look down, you might see me doing a one-arm handstand and then you might see you know me doing kettlebell lifts and then you might see me working on my splits or and you'll see the same thing with my students. So you, you, if you come at it from, let's say, a discipline like yoga, a lot of people that are attracted to yoga are already quite flexible mm -hmm. and they end up suffering all kinds of injuries because they already had some aspect of the practice that they could do well. They like that feeling of doing well. They like going to the class and, and you know, hitting the poses and their teacher saying, oh, you're doing great. And, and these are all good things. There's nothing wrong with any of this. Right. Um, but the problem with that is. Because they already had that flexibility, and, and a lot of them also are hypermobile, you end up going so far in one direction, just kind of concentrating on the flexibility, you know, depending on who you're studying with, but just keep moving and moving and moving and, and working these things and, and doing this um, overstretch to most of your body that you end up paying a price for it. You know, like uh, I have so many students that have come to me that uh, were doing yoga and they're hypermobile and they're like, I don't know what happened, I hurt my back. Well, you can see why they hurt their back if you watch any bit of their practice. They're super flexible in some areas and often very tight in others and not aware of this and not aware of the alignment when they're moving through their practice. So what they do is they kind of barrier at one end uh, of the extreme 
to try and find that stability and end up hurting themselves. Whereas if they would have, you know, gone to yoga, enjoyed their yoga, and also mixed in some other components into their practice to round it out, um, they would have a lot more enjoyment from their yoga and they would have avoided a lot of these unnecessary injuries, right? Mm-hmm. And for some of them, they don't because they're like, yeah, but I don't really like doing, and, you know, insert <laughs> insert blah, blah, blah. Uh, and this cuts both ways too. I mean, you yes. have people that come into the gym and they're like, I love to squat heavy weights. Well, that, that's very cool. But uh, I've noticed that you can barely move. Yes, mm. but I up until the point where I can move, I can squat heavy weights. Well, that's very cool. But you could squat heavier weight if we could actually get you into a nice squat. Mm-hmm. And because you lack the mobility, you've kind of hit the ceiling for what you can physically do, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the same thing is true. It's like, I can move all the way down. Look at my beautiful bodyweight squat. It's like, yes, that's gorgeous, amazing. <laughs> but I also noticed when a fly landed on your shoulder, it was too much weight for you to stabilize and you fell over. So perhaps having unbelievable flexibility with no stability could be considered useless. Because you can't actually do anything with it other than pose in a bendy shape. Mm -hmm. And having tremendous amounts of stability and not enough mobility or flexibility is equally useless because you're so tight you can barely move. Mm -hmm. So neither one of them is really desirable. What you want to do is you want to find this well-balanced place in the middle. And that's what Agatsu tries to share with people, tries to share with them uh, a way to develop a practice that's well-rounded. And, uh, yeah, that's going to mean maybe you're going to go and you're going to experiment in areas that you're not super familiar with or comfortable with at the beginning. But uh, that's how you grow and you become well-rounded. It's not by doing the thing you already naturally were good at. Mm-hmm. So if you already were naturally flexible and hypermobile, and spending your whole practice for the rest of your life doing what you were naturally good at doesn't really cause a tremendous amount of growth. Mm-hmm. It just keeps you doing the thing you already could do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so important from a practitioner standpoint, but also from a teacher standpoint, because mm-hmm. if we can cross train and learn all of these movements, like I'm currently in the midst of a shift between yoga and just different kinds of movement and trying to weave those together in a way that mm-hmm. doesn't shock people, because also just like you're saying, people do love to experience what they're good at. They like to mm-hmm. feel comfortable in their practices, especially yoga, I've noticed. Yeah. Um, we're very attached. We're very attached to the sweat, to the style, and, and just the familiarity of it all. Um, mm-hmm. I'm curious, what in your opinion would be a way for practitioners and teachers to just start to bridge that gap a little bit? Where could well, yeah. you know, like where could a teacher start? Because it can be quite intimidating as well. Definitely. I think the first thing is you have to and they have to really ask themselves what they want. Like, what do you really want out of your practice? And not the, you know, not the kind of stock answer that a lot of people have loaded. But what I tell them is like, when you're laying there alone in the dark and you're being honest <laughs> with yourself, that's the answer I'm looking for. I'm not asking, I don't want, you know, like I had somebody come to me once and they wanted to do some handstands and they wanted to learn how to do one arm levers and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, they wanted to do privates. I said, no problem. Why do you want to learn this? And he said, I don't know. And I said, oh, okay, come back when you know. And he was like, what? He's like, what, what do you mean? I said, well, um, I don't really want to start training you and then stop because, you know, you just quit. It's uh, lame and a drag, to be honest. <laughs> um, so at some point, this will get hard for you. And uh, it would be better for you and for me if you really knew why you wanted it. And that way you would be more determined. And then we'll get somewhere. And the progress is going to be exciting for both of us. Mm-hmm. So come back when you know why you want to do it. I already think I know the answer. But if you're not willing to say it, then there's really no point in this. Mm-hmm. And um, so he thought about it for a little bit. He was still sitting there. And then he said, uh, I want to show off. <laughs> and I said, OK, that's fine. Now the only question is, how badly do you want to show off? It's not for me to judge uh, your your reasoning behind wanting to do it, but I wanted an honest answer. I already knew that that's what he wanted, or at least that's what I suspected. Um, so I said, okay, like, is your desire to show off like strong enough that when this gets hard, you're going to persevere? And he was like, yes. And I was like, okay, so <laughs> let's, <laughs> let, let's try. But at least he had an, he, he knew the answer, right? Mm-hmm. So for somebody who's like, uh, you know, maybe they have a certain practice that they develop now and they're like, oh yeah, I, uh, I want to do this in movement and I want to get into this and I want to get into that. And I see, okay, 
Do you want to do that just because that's becoming trendy mm -hmm. and uh, you, a lot of like your colleagues uh, are putting stuff up on social media and they're getting some attention and you would like this attention? Um, or have you been looking at other people's practices and you feel there's something missing in yours? And do you feel like you want to round out your practice and move it in a very different direction? Or, you know, I, I want to know the, I want people to sit there and really understand the foundation of what it is that they want first. And uh, if you first, if you really understand the foundation of what it is that you want, then you can build on how to get it. But if, if you don't know what you want, if you're practicing handstands right now and, and you're, you know, trying three, four times a week to do handstands and you don't know why you're doing it, um, that's a big problem. And there's a lot of people out there like that. Uh, they'll, I'll ask them, why are you doing that? I don't know. And then I'll, they'll say, I want to do a handstand. Why do you want to do a handstand? I don't know. Well, that's strange. You're training this four or five days a week and you don't know why you want to do it. Hmm. That, that could be getting in the way of, not, of getting it. So let's figure out why first, right? Um, and again, if it comes back to like, you know, yourself, you said, well, I've been exposed now to all these different types of movement practices and you're seeing value in it. And you think that could be interesting to incorporate with what I'm currently doing. That could be very interesting with my yoga practice. Hmm. And uh, I think that could strengthen my yoga practice. It would bring a nice element to it. Um, then at least you have a place where you're like, okay, um, this is what I want because I think this is going to add to what I'm doing and I'm super curious to learn how. And then you start from there starting to look for resources and specific as to what you think might add. And maybe one of the best places to look because we do have that exposure to people around the world is you see somebody with a similar practice um, that's added the, in these elements that you're thinking about adding and uh, you can see the result. And if they're having a very uh, favorable result with a certain thing, like maybe they've added in gymnastics or something, well, maybe that's something you're going to start to play around with. Hmm. Awesome. Um, so you wrote in a recent social media post, one of the best ways, I've shortened it mm -hmm. a little bit, one of the best yeah. ways to slow down your technical progress and put your training back several years is to ask yeah. people on the internet for technique <laughs> tips. Yes. You get a ton of conflicting advice, pick the parts you like and spend months practicing the gospel you received. If you want yes. free advice, ask the internet. If you want good advice, ask a teacher. Yes. Do you think, I thought this was funny, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but also, do you think that this post was a little bit harsh or are you essentially saying that there are a lot of people out there who have misguided information regarding the body and fitness or they pretend to know things? Um, and where do you think that 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 comes from mm -hmm. how do we well, how do we learn who to get the best information from sure well first if you think that's harsh wow you haven't read any of my other posts there <laughs> that's like probably the nicest thing i've said in 15 years so um yeah so i'll really behave in the podcast uh <laughs> that's number one number two um no I, I don't think it's harsh i i like i like anything that i put up um i put it up because i want it to be useful um because i believe it's useful and i believe it's true I also, I'm always open to the possibility that I'm wrong. That's fine about this and about everything. But I, I want you to think about it like this, okay? Imagine uh, wherever you practice yoga, the room, right? It's a decent-sized room probably, but not too big, not too small, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Put 100 people in there. Could you get 100 people in there? Mm, could probably get close to like 70. Okay. So we got 70 people kind of stumbling around like zombies bumping into each other. <laughs> you got the image? Uh-huh. All right. Now, you walk into the middle of this crowd, 70 people. They're just bumping around mumbling incoherently, okay? You yell out, how do I do a press to handstand? <laughs> Everyone starts yelling answers back at you. Hmm. You don't know anybody in the room. They don't know you. They don't know your assets, your liabilities. They don't know where you're, you have hypermobility, where you have instability, where you have a ton of stability, where if your shoulders are tight, what your wrists are like. They know nothing about you, that they're all telling you how to do something, right? You don't know anything about them. They could be um, someone who has never moved in their life, who uh, barely leaves the house, has never exercised a day, and let alone do a handstand, they can barely stand on their two feet, right? Mm -hmm. And now uh, they're giving you advice. They're giving you progressions and regressions. Is that useful? Definitely not. No. <laughs> so that's the problem with the internet. So now, instead of that room with 70 people, why don't you try a, a million hmm. yelling at you online? So 
And that's what most people do. They'll, they'll go to a handstand forum on Facebook and they'll be like, hey, I'm trying to get my press. What do you guys think? And <laughs> some of the people who write in are well-meaning. Others are just completely delusional. But some of them are well-meaning. But even the well-meaning ones, anything other than, look, from this video, I can't really, you know, <laughs> I'm not physically there with you. There's a bunch of other questions I have to ask you. I haven't done an assessment on you. I don't know. You know, there's a lot of things. So other than a, you know, your hands could be a little closer together or blah, 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 blah for, you know, for some tip. There's not too much that a person like that can really say, right? Mm -hmm. So what I'm saying in that quote is I would never just walk out my front door and start screaming at the world asking for advice on anything because I don't know who's answering. Mm. So if I want advice from the internet, I would look to the people that I'm currently following and looking at who are experts in their field, undeniably, right? Like uh, Miguel Satan is a great hand bouncer. His beautiful lines, really, really nice. He's a friend of mine, right? And he's right now he's in uh, Hong Kong and uh, working there. If you're looking at his stuff and it's beautiful and, and you can get his attention and ask him something, you're asking an expert, right? That's a very if he if he has the time to answer you back quick, great. If you want to do online or something with him, that's great. Um, that's very different than just kind of posting on the net as people do, and they get all this conflicting stuff. And usually, when people get conflicting things, unfortunately, as is human nature, what you're going to choose to do are the things you probably already like doing, mm. or it's an exercise, a supplemental exercise that you that sounds like it's fun to you. That, that's what you want to do. You might not do any of the other ones that are going to be really hard work and <laughs> you don't like doing. Mm -hmm. So um, so this way to me is like a really, really bad way to progress because it's it's not guided in, a, in an intelligent way by someone who's really following your progress and uh, understands, you know, your assets and your liabilities, which I mentioned before. Um, it's just very haphazard. And I've seen people just completely and utterly stall out any progress that they had made by doing that and spending years on something that should take months. Um, so that's why I say if, if you want free advice, go to the internet. Yeah, Maybe you'll get lucky and it'll help you in some small way. If you want real advice, <laughs> then ask a teacher. Mm -hmm. and I think, right? I, yeah, yes. and I think it gets it gets challenging and difficult because as much as the internet is amazing and there's so many resources that have helped people, it can become a little diluted because now not only are people not paying for mm -hmm. you know these random YouTube tutorials or videos sure. or whatever on Instagram, it's it's almost like it's funny. Like I'll tell people I'm investing in a training and I'll tell them how much it is. And they're like, Oh my gosh, like that's insane. Why don't you just mm -hmm. like, you know, why don't yeah. you just why don't do you this? YouTube it? Yeah. yeah. And you're why just don't like, you go to the university of YouTube. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, and, and it's hard because I think we almost move towards that now. Like, mm -hmm. it, like we just want this like free knowledge. We don't even value that, you know, like you said in the beginning, a really solid teacher or a couple of mm -hmm. really solid teachers who do sure. know your body and who do know, you know, how to move safely and, and provide those fundamentals. Um, so how can people decipher then teachers and whoever, um, mm -hmm. where the good knowledge is to seek out? Because again, even if we do want to take a training, there's also a lot yeah. of trainings for us to take and it's oh, hard to know yeah. what's good, what's, you know, maybe not the well, best. The first thing is the first thing. And I think, you know, like for like when people ask you, you know, and you're, you know, all you're spending this money on, let's say this training, the first thing for everybody to think of is look, a good teacher may be expensive, but a bad one will cost you more. Hmm. And just think about it. You know, it takes a very long time to get good at something. And the truth is you're going to get good at whatever you practice, even if it's the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. So you imagine that, you know, people are like, oh, I'm serious. I want to get really into this. I want to this. I want that. Whatever the thing is, it can be anything. Right. And they're going to, regardless of whether they spend money, they're going to spend the most important currency, which is time. Mm -hmm. So they spend no money, but they hodgepodge a practice together and they get super in love with it and they train six, seven days a week. And this goes on for the next two years, right? Mm -hmm. They have two years of habits that they've created that they've become really good at. In the process after the two years, they are just so stuck in certain things. They're very frustrated. 
they come in, in contact with some other teacher and they're like, oh, this, this teacher seems great. I really should now spend a little bit of money and train with this teacher. As they start to train with that teacher, they realize they have two years of habits that could take another two to four years to undo. Hmm. So they try to save a little money. And what they did was they lost two years and maybe four years because it's going to take a long time to undo what they made kind of concrete. You know, so whereas if they had just in the beginning kind of, hmm, this is interesting. I'm kind of really enjoying this, you know, and then they sought out that that a little bit of guidance at the beginning. And it's not to say that self-practice is not important and a lot of research all over the place is not important. These are all great things. These are these are amazing. But but when you just try to avoid having a teacher and you're just like, ah, oh, I like doing this and I'm just going to do this and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this, a lot of the time later you find, man, if I would have had that guidance, I could have avoided a lot of the things because that's what a teacher is, right? A teacher is someone who's gone before. So they've made the mistakes for you. Mm-hmm. They, they found... Um, ways of being more efficient at learning the thing you're trying to learn and they're going to save you a ton of time just like a parent right like I'm going to sit with my kids and I'm going to tell them oh I wish I hadn't done this when I was your age and and oh I wish someone had said this to me and I'm hoping that when I tell them this I'm going to save them time Mm -hmm. that that they're going to be further along in accomplishing what they're trying to accomplish because I have something I can pass to them and uh, from my experience, they will be ahead of where I was because I didn't have someone to tell me that. And then, of course, hoping they pass that on to their kids. So that's the same thing with a teacher and student. I'm going to the teacher to benefit from their experience, right? Mm-hmm. So when I'm looking for a teacher, because you're asking like, and it's true, the internet is so fast. Look, everybody nowadays has an online training. Everybody has a teacher training and everyone is an expert. And the truth is, if everyone's an expert, no one is an expert. Mm -hmm. It's become meaningless. And it's actually, we have more access to information now, and we've become dumber. Mm. Because people, it was hard to get information before. So if you wanted to learn, like if you heard, no, there's this guy in California who's doing like a really interesting thing. His yoga is very very different. You're like, well, what's he doing? I saw this guy. He also does Ashtanga and I was doing Ashtanga. (laughs) But when I saw his Ashtanga, it's like it's not the same Ashtanga. And you're like, well, what was different about it? I don't know. The connection was different in in every pose. He would change the alignment. My shoulder used to hurt. But now he he did something different with my practice. My shoulder doesn't hurt. Well, what is that? Because my shoulder hurts. Uh, You see, (laughs) it was hard. So Mm -hmm. what what had to happen you were like i have to go to california i have to mm-hmm. train with this person because this is how bad i love it so i have to see what he's doing you know and then it's like your friend showed you a little bit of something and you're like wow that's deep okay what's he doing you jumped on a plane you went and learned it right mm-hmm. and you were like oh man this is it this is this is it this guy is my teacher i'm gonna stay here you stayed there for a long time you came back you started to teach other people you know um now Everybody just keeps flipping on their phone and they're like, oh, look at that. Oh, this is a move. This is a move. That is a move. Uh, this person just put up a video. This person's putting a correction for Chaturanga. This person did. <laughs> you don't even know if they're any good at anything. Like I said before, right? They're just showing you that this is this. Some of it is good. Some of it is crap. It's very hard to tell the difference, especially if you haven't tried it much. People are regurgitating other things that they've heard. Oh, you should do this. Oh, I like that video. I'll make the same video. I, you make the same video. You post it up. You should do this. But there's no depth. You haven't lived with any of these exercises and you haven't lived with any of these corrections. So it's merely like a generation of people regurgitating what they've heard other people say, but there's no depth to their practice. Hmm. Um, So it becomes very hard to find those people that have that depth. Now, when you find them, whoa, you're like, this is different. This is not the same thing, right? Hmm. Um, But that means you have to look and you can't rush. Just like you don't rush your practice and to uh, advance in your practice because it takes time, right? You can't rush looking for the teacher. You have to be very patient. Most people will spend more time looking for a pair of shoes than they will a teacher. <laughs> they will. They will mm-hmm. shop online for hours. They will maybe get in their car and hit a few different stores. But if you ask them, oh, you do yoga at that shala, yeah. Oh, why did you choose that shala? It's around the corner from my house. <laughs> yeah, but do you, is that that's the kind of yoga you wanted to? Mm-hmm. I, it's yoga. It's around the corner from my house. Yeah, but that, you know, there's an amazing one that's like 15 minutes away. Eh, it's 15 minutes away. Yeah, but the <laughs> teacher is like, whoa, run out. He's amazing. People come from around the world just just to meet him. Yeah, there's, there's a bridge there. And 
gets trafficy and right. So <laughs> yeah, and then the same the same people go, oh my back hurts. I don't think my teacher was very good. It's like well, you're, yeah, your teacher sucks, but you know that you got the kind of the teacher you deserved because you put no effort into finding them. Mm. You don't even you know I ask people they say, oh I'm studying with Sonsai. He goes, oh that's very cool. Where did they learn? Who did? I don't know. Oh you don't know anything about your teacher? No. Then why did you choose them for your teacher? What a strange thing. Mm-hmm. I mean you can't you can't choose a parent. But you can pick your teacher. <laughs> so I would think you would spend more time. So for myself, when I get interested in something, I research everything I can about it and find out who the best people in the world you know, are, who are considered the best in it and why and find out what it is similar about what they do and what it is different about what they do. And I, so I do my research long before I, you, I will ever find myself in front of a teacher who is possibly going to become my teacher. I know a ton about them. And a ton about what they do and the other people that are their contemporaries, their colleagues. I know what they do as well. And then I'm going to go and I'm going to, you know, train with all of them. Mm. And I'm going to see who's the one that I want to learn from. Mm. Um, so and that can be on a big scale or it can be on a small scale. But I'm going to do my research. I'm not just going to go and find a teacher mm. um, and decide. To me, this is what it takes. It's the same thing if you're looking for something online. I want to see, you know. People will go and they do a course. It's like, who did you do the course with? They have no idea. They just did it because, you know, they did their yoga teacher training. Great. Why with that person? I don't know. Well, isn't that strange? You gave them a lot of money and you don't know why you did. And you, don't, you have no clue why you did it with that person. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I just wanted to do a yoga training and I saw there was one there. Like, yeah, that's very interesting. They must approach everything that way. Mm. Which makes you think. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yes. I'm going to shift a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always curious about the whole entrepreneurial side of the equation when mm-hmm. we're teachers and all that stuff and everything that goes into it. Um, it's been my experience that this as a profession can be quite lonely and isolated. Not everyone understands what you're doing. Like I have some friends who are like, "Why you're sitting at home and like emailing today like can we just like, mm-hmm. go out for lunch or something and you're like <laughs> well no like i i have a lot of things you know and, and people just yeah. don't necessarily always understand it and then you're making your own schedule and yeah and especially if you're traveling or or whatever the case is um i think that it can be a little bit tricky so i'm curious to know if you've experienced that and maybe um something you do or or what's something you do to like manage that or cope with that in your in your own uh, career yeah, well, going on almost two decades of traveling around the world and giving seminars and things like that. So, um, yeah, and everybody sees, you know, on Facebook, oh, you're here, you're there. I'm leaving for Hong Kong next week to give seminars. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that's great. But also you're sitting a lot of the time alone in hotel rooms, right? So that's not exactly what people picture when you're when they see you flying all over the place, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and also because you have so many things and maybe, you know, you're – you're working from home a lot of the time or you're working not with what other people perceive as set hours, uh, like you said, they don't understand. They don't understand why you have to go train at this time when you don't really have to. You can do whatever you want or why you are you know, stuck on your computer emailing, as you said, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, my friends over time, they've come to understand that uh, just like any job, there are certain things I need to do at a certain time. And there's always a reason why I, don't, I could not do them. So I don't allow those reasons, for the most part, to uh, come into play because otherwise I'll always give myself that reason. You know, if I want to find it, it's easy enough. And then before you know it, um, you're behind in everything. So you have to be a little disciplined and, you know, people will start to understand that. And uh, also when you start to have kind of like a maybe weird schedule, a lot of your friends start to have weird schedules. So you start, you know, to associate and hang out kind of more with people like that so it makes it a little bit mm-hmm. easier you know when uh, you, you freakishly work on weekends and, uh, every, and you know giving seminars and uh, you know are kind of more around in the middle of the day during the week then uh, you find other freaks like you to hang out with so yeah awesome um, can you share something that has been either a piece of advice or just something that kind of guides you um, in your own journey just to keep you going? Yeah, um, it's, a, it's a broad question, but just in terms of, like you were saying, for, you know, business, let's say, if, if you have, you know, if the yogis are listening and uh, they're, you know, somebody who's just starting out or even somebody who's been doing this for a while and is trying to stay motivated, um, 
you know, and, and trying to find a way to get attention and, but do certain things in a certain way. Um, it's, it's, you have to kind of realize that you're always going to have ups and downs in, mm-hmm. in terms of your motivation, no matter how much you love something. And that's normal, you know, like a relationship, even in any kind of relationship, there's ups and downs, right? Um, and what kind of pulls you through is the love of doing the thing mm-hmm. or the love of the other person, right? So in the case of a relationship, but, um, so for this, I love teaching. I love what I do. And, uh, when traveling gets hard or when something gets hard, I remember and think about the love of the, you know, my, my practice and sharing my practice with other people. That's what uh, keeps me motivated and keeps me going. And it's also the, the touchstone, uh, for everything else. It's not, you know, about being, let's say disciplined, you know, even for work, even when you know you got to do emails, let's say all day tomorrow, um, that's not discipline. That's love, mm. because you love what you do. You know, I, people would say, I got, I'll, I will drive back, let's say from Toronto, from giving a seminar. I'll drive back at night if I'm not flying. I'll drive back, and then Monday morning, uh, 7:30 in the morning, you'll find me practicing. <laughs> and people will say, Oh, you're so disciplined. I'm not really a disciplined person, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, I'm not, I, I like to skateboard and surf and, uh, wear flip flops and board shorts. That's not to me like a super disciplined person. I don't mm-hmm. like a schedule. Um, I love what I do. So it's love. It's not discipline. And it's the same thing that will motivate me and keeps me going and keeps me doing what's necessary to do, um, because I love it, uh, so much. And uh, I think if people have that kind of as their touchstone, then uh, that will keep them going. And it'll keep them also going on the right track because it comes from the, the right place. Mm-hmm. Like that bringing it back to your intention and your mm-hmm. why. Yeah, that's mm. huge. It's always about the why. It's always about the intent. Uh, no matter what you do, even when you, you're sitting there and you're going to post your Instagram videos this week, um, what's the intent behind it? Is it is it to get likes? Is it to get some attention? Did you not get enough hugs as a child? Like, why are you? No, but this is what most most people it's like, you know, that's what they're doing. They just like, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's okay. Maybe you didn't get enough hugs. And maybe that's making them feel really good. I mean, it's a kind of a shitty thing to get yourself worth from. But um, okay. But on the other hand, if you sit there and you say, how can I be of service? And you post something that you believe will help people um, because it's helped you and it's some insight you've got from your practice and uh, you don't want people to struggle uh, with this thing. You want them to be able to get some help. And so you just simply say to yourself, how can I be of service? And then you post something that you feel is of service. I think people will connect with that and they'll respond to it. And then it comes from a good place. And you're building your you're building your business around the fact that you're trying to be useful for other people, as opposed to you're trying to post and get attention for yourself. I mean, this is the difference to me between a guru and a teacher, and not a guru in the nice, good, proper, like you know, yoga way. I mean, a guru in the not flattering kind of. Oh, you think you're a guru, right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like there are a lot of fitness gurus uh, running around the globe <laughs> these days, and uh, these people. Um, are not of service to anyone other than themselves. Mm-hmm. You know? Yes, and something that just kind of came to mind here as you were saying that, you mentioned just in the very beginning that you were starting to offer movement practices or you know, knowledge or whatever it was and, and it wasn't necessarily being well received right away because it wasn't mm-hmm. as it is now. And I'm yeah. always so fascinated with that First of all, obviously, I can't even picture that now. Like, I can't even picture being like, what, joint mobility? Like, I don't need that. Like, that's so funny. Mm-hmm. But there was a time where, when people were not connecting with that. And how, oh, yeah. Yeah, and, but your intention was good and, and it was there. Mm-hmm. So in the beginning, when you were trying to put that out there and maybe it wasn't sticking right away, how do you deal with that? And how do you keep going with your message without that doubt kicking in and being like, Oh, maybe Mm -hmm. this isn't the right thing. I think that's so, that's so challenging. Oh no, it's, it's people cannot understand. Like I even joke with some people nowadays. I said, you cannot imagine what it was like to introduce kettlebells here. Like, because you can't even imagine what it's like that there weren't kettlebells. Yeah. You know, (laughs) I I had the third kettlebell video clip on YouTube. Now there's, I don't know, like millions of them. It's ridiculous. Right. Um, I would show kettlebells at a gym. And all these people with kin degrees and all kinds of stuff would mm. sit there and they would look at me and they would go, do you know 
how bad that is for your back. <laughs> like, like I was a moron. <laughs> and the same people years later would see me, oh, Sean, I love bells. Did you read Dr. Stuart McGill? I love McGill. Did you read his article on how good kettlebells are for your back? And I'm just sitting there smiling going, moron. If you had just listened to me four years ago, you could have been training for four years with this. But no, you know, so I never doubted what I was saying because it came from experience. Hmm. So you could literally have 15 medical degrees standing in front of me, um, you know, being heralded as the GP genius of movement and medicine around the world telling me I was a moron and I would have just smiled and gone you're wrong because I knew you they were all wrong because everything I taught I taught from a place of experience mm -hmm. so I could see and I could show you how strong I had become how I moved how my students were moving, how none of us were injured. How in fact, it was you know, hard to even get any of us to remember uh, having an injury. Mm -hmm. It had been so long. So I knew they were all wrong. But it was still frustrating uh, completely. And I would show some joint mobility. Like now people are running around, gurus are running around going, oh, yeah, you know, you want to take the, the joints out of, you know, uh, it can't, they can't always be in proper alignment. And you want to expose them to and they pretend like these are their ideas. And they're not. These are old ideas that have been around as long as people have been moving around. Look at dancers. Look at gymnasts. Mm -hmm. They always prep the joints in less than optimal, um, you know, uh, positions, right? They've always been doing this. This is where these gurus get the ideas from. They train with in other movement disciplines. And then they tell ignorant fitness people uh, that they came up with it. And if people don't do their research, they, they believe it, right? Um, but when I would show people these things, they would be like, that's so bad. That, look where your knee is. Look at the position. It's like, well, yeah, but you, you see how slow I move into it. You see how I move into it. You see how I move out of it. Uh, you know, that's what happens when you're actually active. You, mm -hmm. you move in and out of less than optimal positions, but the body can take it if it's prepped. So a lot of people have come around now to these things. Like you said, it's now it's more mainstream. Um, but if it comes from a place of practice and you speak from experience and you yourself know the result on you know both because you felt it you can do it and you've seen it and also you've taught it and you've seen the result being transferred then don't lose faith because eventually people are going to come to understand the truth of it because it's true and true isn't a matter of opinion it's true because it is true so they had opinions that what i was saying was wrong but they had no experience with it so their truth really meant nothing because it was just an opinion. You know, true is true. Mm -hmm. And do you believe in an intuitive piece to that puzzle? A lot of, yeah, a lot of people move real well, but they can't even explain why. Mm. Or uh, they can just, they just, as they start kind of getting something, they, they understand how to generate force in it. They understand the alignment. They understand a lot of those different things. Um, that's good on the individual level, but it's not great for a teacher. Mm -hmm. You got to be able to practice. You got to be able to teach. You got to be able to communicate why. So some people I know move really, really well. You know, they're fantastic, but it's a very one-sided thing. It works well for them. If you ask them, "How can you do that?" they don't really know. Mm -hmm. Or how come I can't do that? Mm, they don't really know. You know. <laughs> Um, so, uh, you know, a lot of it is feel, a lot of it is this, that, but you have to also be able to, if you want to teach it, you got to be able to deconstruct it. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Um, so I always ask my guests, the following five are habits to help us all function better and more successfully in our lives. In mm -hmm. a few words, just share if they play a role in your own. So the first one is self health. Um, especially for any type of teacher, especially like people who are teaching, you know, things that are physical, a trainer or a yoga teacher or anything, um, making time for your own practice um, is something that gets lost. Most people, they, they have that at the beginning because that's what brought them to it. And then as they get busier and in a sense, maybe more successful and more in demand as a teacher, uh, this fades away and uh, they lose their practice, they lose themselves, and they put their health, just like, you know, a parent, right? We, mm -hmm. we made reference to parents before. You know, the parent that puts themselves first, 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 like I'm supposed to, uh, sorry, that they put the child first, 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 
they fade away. They end up burnt out. They end up useless, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Because they're such a mess. And the same thing is is true in the in you know have your practice. Make sure that you, no matter how much you're teaching, no matter how much you're doing, make sure you have time for you so that you feel good, you feel healthy, and uh, then you have you have more to share with people. Mm-hmm. And you know? the second is authenticity. Yeah, like I said, come from a place if it's going to be. Um, Anything in your in work is, is you know because we're talking about teaching. Um, I try to be of service. That's to me what a teacher is, and I will share with you from my experience. I don't share things that I don't know about, and I don't share things that uh, you know I haven't lived with. So if I'm teaching something to you, it's because I've spent time with it, and I'm trying to share with you because I feel that it has value to add to your practice, just the way I've added it to mine. And the third is mindfulness. I think especially nowadays because we're so bombarded with everything, um, you know, the, it's all the social media and all these different things. They're great. I can reach out. You know, we can do a podcast. Lots of people are, uh, in different places can listen to this. Hopefully some of it, you know, resonates with them something. And maybe that maybe that's helpful. Again, maybe we're being of service to them, right? That's mm-hmm. the hope. But um you also want to unplug from that, whether it's maybe a pranayama practice or just, you know, quietly doing your practice or a handstand practice or something. So for me, it, it's usually I'll be, my uh, handstand practice is very much that mindful time and uh, also um, apnea, which basically is like a pranayama practice. Um, that's a good way to kind of disconnect and, and just work on the mind. And the fourth is practicing trust. And when I say that, I'm kind of in reference to just trusting the timing of your own path, your own opportunities, instead of looking at others. Yeah, I think it's very easy to kind of question your path and maybe get, um, you know, derailed in what you're doing and what you what you believe because you you're seeing so much and so many people moving around in so many different directions and maybe people getting traction in certain directions. Um, and then you start following just because you feel like that could be a good pa- uh, good platform for success, mm-hmm. but it's not really part of you and it's not really part of what you what you love. You're just doing it because you think it might bring you somewhere. Um, so to me, I, I just try to keep everything, like I said, from a place where this is what I love to do, and and that's what you know. I trust in in that um, you know that that practice. I trust in sharing that practice and keeping the course there. Mm. And the last is grow your tribe. Yeah, I think, again, it's the same thing. What I do, you know, like look at social media and look at like a trainer who lives in Regina and has 150,000 fake followers and <laughs> ask yourself, well, this is, you know, you see this all the time, right? And ask yourself, well, what's that person really doing? You know, um, if you have 300 followers on Instagram, that's a low number, right? That's, that's not a lot in social media. Nobody would think twice about that. But 300 real people that are really there with you and, you know, you slowly building that to 301 and 315. And that's a group of like-minded people who are you're trying to be of service to and you're helping and everyone's helping each other. Mm-hmm. That's a super incredible thing. That's mm-hmm. awesome. No, that's really amazing. So same thing with uh, Agatsu. Uh, I want to to grow Agatsu, and Agatsu has instructors around the world. And uh, it, we always say after a course, we like we'll post the pictures and we'll tell everybody congratulations, and we write, you know, welcome to the family, because that's what it is. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to grow something super fast. I'm not trying to have. I'm not interested in fake numbers. I'm interested in in the real, and the real is reaching as many people as we can and helping as many people as we can and showing them how to help others. And if we can do that with 100 people, that's great. We've helped 100 people. That's a very nice thing to have accomplished in your life. If we can do that with 100,000, that's great too. But uh, we grow the tribe from an authentic place of trying to be of service. Amazing. And to totally wrap up, based on the notion that the pursuit of yoginess is ultimately the pursuit of the self, can you share Mm -hmm. one final thing that your own pursuit has revealed to you and moved you towards self-growth? Yeah, I, I think you remember at the beginning when you asked me what a gatsu means, and I was saying, you know, true mastery is self mastery. Uh, that uh, you know, your your kind of physical practice eventually 
leads you more and more inward, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, uh, you know, that's really what yoga is. Yoga is union. Uh, but it's hard to work on the mind, right? Mm-hmm. It's very hard for anybody to just sit there and work on the mind. So we do these physical poses. We do these physical things because that's a way for us to kind of start to learn that and start to learn how to get into the mind, right? Um, so I feel uh, always that ultimately that's where everything takes us back. It always takes us back to the mind and uh, not just whether we're calm and not just whether we're this or that. It's really about developing um, that fortitude of mind and the calm of mind Mm -hmm. to focus and to persevere and to do what's needed to reach our goals and to help others do the same. Um, so I think ultimately that's what really training does. It helps you to build a mind like that and, uh, and then to share that as well with other people, you know, eventually the bodies all get old and they can't do the tricks that they used to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with the mind that training can still develop over, over the years, even as you get older. And, uh, that's a great and incredible thing to be able to share with people and, and help them. Um, because ultimately that's what will lead them to all of the things that, that they want. And then they can help others do the same thing. Mm, amazing. Um, where can the listeners go to connect with you after the show? Uh, there's lots of different places. Uh, you know, the easiest is they can follow on Instagram. They can go to at Agatsu Fitness, so A G A T S U, and then Fitness, and uh, that's uh, you know my main company page. And they can see all kinds of different things, you know, from flexibility, mobility, and strength training, and see stuff about courses. And they can also go directly to the website uh, Agatsu.com. And uh, they can get information about we have a mobility and we have an assessment course and all kinds of different things that especially for yogis, I think, uh, and like I said, we have a lot of them that come to the mobility and movement um, seminars. And some are teachers and some are not teachers, just mm-hmm. people that are just really interested in, you know, in working a guided practice uh, in, a, in a way that's going to help them accomplish their goals and maybe get them past things that they're stuck in, you know, mm-hmm. or they're like, especially people will come to the mobility, uh, you know, seminar and they'll be like, yeah, you know, when I do wheel, my back always hurts. And uh, I'm not sure, but like my teacher says I'm aligned well. And then uh, oh, they'll boy. come and they'll do it. And then they'll be like, oh, I never really thought about this. And I never really mm. thought about these two opposing forces. And oh, you're right. My back shouldn't be like a kinked garden hose. So <laughs> there's, you know, there's a lot of things I think in there that they can unpack for for a long time um and then also we we have with people looking on the website we do have online training for people that maybe are in areas where they can't get to a seminar or it's just not feasible for right now and uh you know like you were saying for people that maybe just want to kind of broaden their practice maybe they're doing a lot of yoga but they want to introduce some different elements um we do this we have this online foundations and uh, online foundations is like a gpp so it's general physical preparedness um so during the week you get all these different workouts and uh, you can follow along and it's basically like we're doing the programming for you Um, and uh, that will kind of round out your yoga practice and we do it with minimal equipment so that you know maybe you don't have access to too many different things but if you've got minimal equipment you could follow this and you could develop uh, you know some more strength if that's what you need or you'll develop some more flexibility if that's what you need and there's like assisted videos that will also help so I think all that stuff is is a great resource. And there is another thing, especially for your listeners who are yogis and like yourself are are interested in moving better. Maybe you want to uh, improve the quality of your movement for flow. A lot of people have been really are really interested these days in like linking movements together Mm -hmm. or you're interested in your inversion practice and taking it to a really interesting place. We do intensives every year Mm -hmm. and uh we do them all over the world with different instructors because, you know, I get to, I get to travel all over the place. I meet all kinds of interesting trainers and often become friends with them. I get to train with them, but for somebody else to do that, they would have to travel, you know, to five, six different countries and, you know, incur all kinds of expense. So what I do is I get my friends together in one place and, uh, then I invite the world to come and train with us. And so the next one that we're going to do, the next big event is, uh, in Bali, and it's at one of my favorite places called Bali Floating Leaf. And it's this incredible spot. And we take it completely over. So there's no tourists there. It's just all the people training with, you know, Gatsu. And uh, Miguel Santana is going to be teaching uh, handstands. Wow. 
and he's yeah he's incredible so he's gonna be teaching handstands and the nicest thing about him and one of the best things about him and why he's teaching other than him being my friend is he's great at teaching beginners so for people that say like but i, I but i can't do a handstand well exactly <laughs> that the you, that's why you should come or if somebody says well i can do a handstand great you should ask him uh to help you with your one arm you mm -hmm. should get some tips in right so he's going to be there john yun who uh does some amazing uh, flow really beautiful and flow in a in a way that i, I find you know it's is very meaningful there's a lot of people doing a lot of things in in the name of flow especially on social media now where it's like low level dancing it's just bad break yeah. dancing you know it's like if you did that for you ask yourself if i did that for five years what physical attributes would i develop yeah. the answer is nothing nothing <laughs> you would be better going to a ymca and studying hip-hop and honestly you would because that, that would be great that would bring a lot oh to your life God. or take take a good zumba class you would get more out of it than the nonsense people are doing but john stuff matt you ask yourself what would i get if i did that you would get unbelievable control unbelievable self-awareness you would get strength you would get resilience in your joints so he's going to be teaching uh sarah claire lajeunesse and i are going to be teaching uh, acro um so but like from the circus perspective so hand-to-hand uh, uh, or man, man, as we like to call it in Quebec. Um, but again, for people that are raw beginners, they're like, oh, I can't do that. It's like, no, there's something in everything, you know, for, for trainers that want to just get some bodyweight exercises from partner drills that people can do from very basic, it'll be there. For people that want to learn to do more advanced things like, you know, a partner planche, the possibility will be there as well and all in the beautiful setting of uh, Bali. Very cool. So, and when does this take place? That one's going to be February uh, of next year, it's, which sounds like a long way away, but it's, it's really not, not because <laughs> we, we, yeah, it's not. I mean, the, the advantage that we, we plan so far and ahead is uh, anyone can come because you can start looking for flights right now. Most people can find, if you start now and you're looking at, uh, you know, for deals on flights, you can find between now and then a deal where you can fly to Bali for the same price it would cost you to fly to Vancouver. You know, mm. it's it's nothing because uh, you're far enough ahead, mm -hmm. and um, and you also have enough time to plan and you know and reserve a spot and all that kind of stuff. So we only take 20 people because wow. with 20 people, every instructor really knows you. And every instructor knows what you're good at and can and what you're not and can help you throughout the week. And there's that intimacy and that way to pass knowledge on that just can't be accomplished when you're with 50 people, mm -hmm. you know. And because we all stay in the same location, everyone is sleeping there. It's it's all inclusive. Um, you know, you're hanging out with those instructors day and night. You know, I mean, yeah, you're taking, you know, the workshop in the morning with them and then you get another one, but you're also there the whole time. So it's just a, a real immersion into moving differently for people. Um, so I think that's an incredible thing. People, if you visit um, agatsu.com, you visit uh, my website, click on events and you will see it there, the Bali event, and you'll see some details. And of course, they can just email us for uh, more stuff. And for the online foundations that I mentioned, I created a coupon code for you guys that if you type in yoga love, all one word, uh, you will get a discount. Just knock 30% off of the online. Mm, definitely. Yeah. All right, Sean, thank you so much for this conversation. This has got to be like one of my top favorites to date for sure. So good. Oh, thank you. It was thank my pleasure. You. Yeah, for taking the time and enjoy all your travels and your teachings and everything. Thank you very much. I hope I see you uh, at a course and I hope I see you in Bali. For sure. <laughs> Take care. <laughs> Thanks, Sean. All right. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. And that wraps up another amazing episode with Sean. Thank you guys so much for being here and for tuning in. For all of the show notes or links to connect with Sean and myself further, head on over to PursuitOfYoginess.com where you can check out the full breakdown of today's episode. Check out our Patreon page. Subscribe. Pledge your support for as little as $1. It goes a long way. Lots of production costs and time that go into the making of this platform. So any and all support is so welcome and we are so grateful for that. Um, if you guys want to take advantage of 30% off 
um, the Agatsu Foundations of Movement online, um, the link will also be below this episode with your discount code. So if you're anything like me and you're trying to break down more movement and understand why the body moves a certain way, what are the best ways for us to move and then how to teach this movement to others. And really it just brings in a very nice versatility um, to your offerings as yoga teachers. It gets you to become a little more well-rounded. And I know there's a huge trend right now towards that buzzword, that functional movement, but there really is something to understanding anatomically how the body moves and how to keep it safe but also how to really build that strength so this is an incredible place to start i actually asked sean what the best resource especially for new yoga teachers um would be and this is kind of what he's guided us towards so i'm heading out to montreal um, in the next couple of months to do some training i am all about it so if you guys want to ask me questions um, i'd be happy to share my experience and other than that check out the breakdown of the episode you can check out sean's stuff he's got a ton of offerings lots going on um so yeah and just to wrap up our cardish product of the week is the nuts to you um almond butter so the nuts to you almond butter i'm using the smooth version so this is actually quite a versatile product um i don't eat meat so sometimes adding a little bit of extra protein um just to keep me nice and full throughout the day is is awesome so i can put it in smoothies i've been making these little protein balls or little protein bites um this product is a whole 30 approved product so if you're um doing one of those kind of food resets this is something really handy just to have um, and just to enjoy however you like so these are a couple of ways that i'm using it Um, again i do steer clear of peanut butter for the most part it's just a little heavier um, and i'm not able to digest it as well so this is a nice supplement to peanut butter Um, and nut butters can be quite expensive I totally get that so it's worth having some on hand and then all you need is like a tablespoon put it in your smoothie tablespoon on your crackers or whatever you're doing make little protein bites um, like I do and it can actually go a long way but if you just want to win your own jar of this along with three other products as part of our um, bundle of the month you can find the link below this episode as well all you have to do is enter your email and our Kardish peeps will reach out at the end of uh, the month and we will announce our winner that way so again this is just a great way I'm trying out these products I'm bringing them to you guys because health is a huge part of my life um, especially as a movement practitioner and teacher Um, so I'm just trying to keep everyone informed and bring some products to you guys that I think are safe and healthy and good so that is the mission behind what we're doing so if you guys have any questions feedback comments concerns whatever it is reach out to me um, and i'd be happy to connect so i think that is it check out the breakdown of the episode so much good stuff i was really pumped by this episode Um, and then i've got some incredible content coming up so stay tuned as we continue the pursuit of yoginess